Hey everyone, this is Jason Dodge and Phil Schoen with episode two of Loki Review. Um, people are liking these episodes, Phil. I think so. Yes, I got uh, some feedback from some colleagues actually at work that said they made a point of telling me how much they liked the first one. So I think that's good. So let's not disappoint them with the second. I know. Uh, which is going to be tough to do. So we literally, five seconds ago, just finished watching episode two. It was my first viewing. Yours, your 10th, I think. Roughly, yeah. As I've been joking all day long. Um, so you, you've, I'm going to be fresh with the first opinion. You're going to be fresh with like hot Seven takes and you've seen videos and like you know a little bit of the backstory. So I think we got two good opinions that kind of mesh well with each other. And I've got – you said you had three or four pages of notes. Yep. I've, I've got various notes as well. Um, I, I kind of don't know where to start. So let, overall impressions of the episode. We'll start there. So overall, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you go no, first. No, no, you, no. Please, you go first. <laughs> so my overall impression is I really liked it. Um, there's a lot of interesting dialogue and just sort of like – Yes. Philosophical discussions and stuff, You know, especially mm-hmm. in the first half. I think obviously very, more action in the second half. Very uh, dialogue heavy. Yeah. The one thing, though, I can definitely say is, you know, at least by the end of it, stuff happened. You know, I know when we did this for say Mandalorian, it, it sometimes felt there were some episodes like, all right, that was kind of a monster like, of the week. Yeah, monster of the week kind of holdover episode, not too much with the plot. Like, like we're two episodes in, it feels like there's been a lot of plot happening as well. Yes. So. Well, what I liked about this episode, um, nothing happened. And everything happened, yeah. right? So it's like kind of like you, you, you spent the first uh, – how long was this episode? About 40-ish minutes or so? Uh, about 50 almost. I mean maybe almost the credits 50. is 50, yeah. So we spent a majority of the episode with them just talking and hypothesizing and nothing happens, right? But it's a very mental episode too yes. because as nothing happens on screen, you have two great actors kind of riffing on each other, which is entertaining in, a, in its own right. Mm-hmm. And um, – you know, we're going to go through our notes kind of chronologically a little bit, but you know, you got the reveal at the end who the other Loki is, Lady Loki. That you know, I knew it was going to show up because that's what everybody was thinking. And yeah. you know, Phil, you've done a good job of sharing with Screen Crush and all the other good YouTube channels that get, like you said, they get paid money to do this because they get millions of views, and it's not our job to decipher all this stuff because we are not experts in the MCU, but we are experts in what we like. That makes sense. So let, let's 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 start at the beginning. Um, again, it, it immediately the show immediately kicks off with excellent music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded I, I like the music. The there's a really cool animation styles from like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and it just kind of pu- puts you in a mood. Yes, right. Okay. It, it, it sets the stage. It's kind of this old retro analog world, but not. And then. Once you kind of get through the intro a little bit, it starts off with the Ren Fair with the abduction of a TVA agent. Right. So, what were your like just in that scene alone? Outside some of the some awesome music in a fight scene that like I totally dug, but like I'll throw this at you. We, we mentioned this while we were watching it. The TVA TVA agents got their butts kicked. Yes, pretty by, easily. Yeah, by one Loki variant, you know, and and seems like every time it's not even close right like the the loki variant is way ahead of them and sets them up and has everything kind of planned out so you know even had i think the the speakers and the music to play right to announce that there's going to be a battle and stuff so it's like was just in wait for them right i mean like you know 
you kind of get the sense that these TVA agents should be like crack fighter teams, like SWAT teams, like they know what they're doing, but they just come off as buffoons. And I think that might be one of the okay. It could be a brilliant, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean towards that they know what they're doing, obviously, because they're writing. The, you know what happens at the end of this yeah. like, series, right? So my impressions are like you, you and Loki kind of talked about this later in the episode. Where, you know, they're, what did he say? Like, um, they're drunk with power, right? Mm-hmm. They're just walking into a trap type of thing. Um, you have these TV agents who think they're crack agents and they're just walking into these situations and they're finally up against somebody that knows what they're doing and all of a sudden they fail. Yeah. Well, so there's definitely a lot of metaphors for the TVA and just kind of like large, you know, corporations or governments or something that are kind of in power. They have the power and they have all their regulations and here's what you follow the code. And when they're coming up against somebody who kind of thinks differently, you know, kind of doesn't necessarily follow the rules, their their guidelines kind of fall apart and they're not able to to handle it. Well, I mean, but here's the thing though, I mean at, at the the point of the fights, the they're not even trained to fight well. Right. Right. Like they had a TVA agent, he kind of knelt down at the end of that one fight scene at the very beginning to check on his um, counterpart and he's like, he's down on his knees. He's not in a fighting stance. He's not looking around. And then he's like, lean turns around. Right. He's still like on his one knee mm-hmm. and then he gets like killed. Yeah. Like if you're trained, even a little bit <laughs> in like <laughs> tactics, right? Like, you know that you're not supposed to get down and like turn your back on people, like keep your head on a swivel and, you know, be aware of your situation. Like, there's, they all look like rank amateurs. Yeah. So I don't know if this is just to create suspense in the scene, or I don't know if this is purposeful. Like, you could just start seeing mistakes of the TVA over and over because they really are bumbling idiots. And like, against a normal person or a normal variant, right, or a not so powerful variant or an accidental variant, uh, they know what happens, so they can easily just take care of it. Yeah. But once they come up against somebody that knows how to fight, they, they prove yeah. to be useless. But it seems like they have their their techniques. Like even you know when they they got Loki in the first episode, it's like they came up, they slapped the thing on him, and that was kind of it, you know. But when it doesn't go according to plan, they're they're not really trained to fight. fight right. You know. I don't know if that's purposely done. I think it yeah. it can be because it kind of leads to some of the other kind of themes in the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. So one of the other details I picked up going on is Miss Minutes in the hologram scene. Yep. I kind of like that. Just not that it means anything. I just kind of cool. I think it was fun. I, I like her and her animation. I, yeah, I would yeah, like she's a, a good I'd character. Like a, I'd like to have her a poster of her propaganda on the wall. I think mm-hmm. that would be kind of neat. Um, and then I kind of like the scene. Again, this is a scene where Loki calls the TVA drunk with power and all this other stuff. Um, you got to see Loki in a tie, his current current variation. Mm-hmm. You got to see Hulk Loki. You got to see like a fat kind of Loki and a Loki kind of Thorish version of a warrior. Yeah. And then after all that stuff, he started talking about different types of magic. Yeah. What What did you pick up on that scene? So one of the big things I took from that scene was just how the TV sort of looks down on variants. You know, they made him wear the jacket with the label on it and – and kind of just we're, we're trying to show how, you know, I think that she called them a cosmic mistake and stuff and just how they kind of think they're very they're sophomoric. Better. Yeah. And they're just, like, they're better than these variants, whatever. And meanwhile, he, he's like correcting them on like, you know, they're saying, well, this person has this power and blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, that's not what that power is. I got to clarify this for you. Like you think you're the experts on everything and you don't even know one of the, like, 
the specifics about the power of this person you're trying to take down. So I think it was kind of show, to show that play of, again, how, you know, this corporation or whatever thinks they're, they're always right and are, are, you know, conceited and, and that sort of thing. And that's why he compared them to the gods of Asgard that thought they were just all, all powerful and all right and didn't have to think too much. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. So then after this whole sequence, um, Agent Mo- is it Agent Mobius? Detective Mobius? I keep, I keep forgetting. Uh, what do they have the name for? Because it's not – I know the hunters are the, the people that go out and then he's uh, – shoot, what was the term she called? Wh- whatever it is, like an agent, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, Mobius. I'm just going to say Mobius. Yeah. Mobius, e Mobius. He is in the judge's office, chambers, mm-hmm. apartment. I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, we get to see really cool trophies. Again, they're all Earth-based trophies, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. Um, she had a really interesting statement. So they go back and forth. How can you trust them? I can't trust them, blah, 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 blah. But they made a mention where the timekeepers are monitoring every aspect of this case. And the mm-hmm. judge says that she's never seen the timekeepers do this before. Yep. Right? Or, so yeah, that not never has worked up about something and that they're, they're really focused on catching this variant. Yeah. This kind of discussion or use of words is I've seen in plenty of other movies where it's like, it's just one middle manager covering for, you know, the man behind the curtain, right? This is a total wizard of Oz kind of thing, because I think we're going to find out that the timekeepers either don't exist. Mm -hmm. They're long dead or they're not actual beings. They're just like a device that was created. And then a giant bureaucracy was created to kind of mask who they really were. Yeah. Or they were just a bunch of idiots that managed to do something and then started a whole thing and somebody built something over it. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Cause I know, you know, if it plays off the comics, so, so the, the character that she's the judge is Ravona Renslayer, who's in the comics. Um, and she has an, I brought up this character last last time, uh, Kong the K- Kang the Conqueror, and she has a long twisted relationship with him, and he's one of the the timekeepers, and so it could be that she's like covering for him, speaking for him, that sort of thing. So it I mean, just I, I don't know how deep they're going to get into it, but there's definitely more to the relationship between her and those timekeepers, and I think your your Wizard of Oz analogy is, is pretty fitting that something's going on behind that curtain and she's trying to cover for it. Right. The, it, there's just, to me, it's just like, there's not three omnipotent beings that know what they're yeah. doing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we even got the sense of that with the story, right? You have these three timekeepers that are protecting their own butts by making yeah. sure this timeline stays secure so they don't get beaten. But I, I think whether, I mean the whole Kang theory and I, I've read online, it's, I think that's really cool. And I think, you know, once we get to the Fantastic Four in like three years, I think there's like some relationships there that are really cool. So you can dive into that mm-hmm. on your own, folks out there. But that being said, I it, it, to me, it seems like she's just covering for another long con. Yeah. That's all it is, right? So I, I think it's going to be the TVA is going to be a paper tiger that's going to be mm-hmm. basically torn apart by like our friend Loki and Deviant Loki, if you want to. Yeah. 
Lady Loki or whatever you want to call it. And I think also Mobius. I think if you listen to his conversation with her and he's kind of talk and she's kind of saying, you know, about Loki, like, why would he change? He's always the bad guy. And, and Mobius is like, well, maybe he wants to mix it up. Maybe, you know, get tired of playing the same part. And I kind of wonder if he's talking about himself as well, that he's tired Ooh, of playing like this yes. kind of desk guy, whatever. And, you know, he, sometimes maybe he'd like to do something a little more fun, like, you know, maybe ride a jet ski or something like that, that he feels kind of stuck. And um, dealing with Loki brings some excitement into his life. So I think it might be interesting. That 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 relationship, obviously, is going to be interesting, too. So, I mean, like, if I actually we scripted this show and I did some research and thought, through, like, there's a movie that I'm thinking of where you have this character that follows the rules, follows the routine, does what he's told. He, you know, he acts his part constantly. Mm-hmm. And then he finally gets a taste of outside the routine. Yeah. Because you can see, you can see everybody else in that show does their job, does it whatever they're supposed to do. The like the woman that was at the library or yeah. record keeper or whatever, yeah, yeah. she completely ignored him until she rung the bell. And the ringing the bell or Loki rang the bell, and ringing the bell triggered her function to say, "How can I help you?" And then yeah. she helps the person. Right? Mm-hmm. Mobius is the only one that seems to be going outside the norm. Right, like you know, so or at least entertaining it, right? And I think that goes back to all the conversations he's having with Loki, comparing, you know, like like basically fatalism, how everything is predetermined, and free will, and how does that mix together what is right and how is belief and faith, what he believes is true. So it obviously got kind of (laughs) kind of deep at points, but I think that's sort of the central crux of this this whole show. Well, I mean, he is now deviating, right? You know, right? Deviating from your normal agent, like behavior right exactly. so i think that's what makes it interesting um i like the whole apocalypse theory that's kind of neat the you know just hiding where all this cosmic nexus energy kind of, I, I like how they're using nexus more and more because that's going to tie into wanda as being a yep. nexus being so they're mm-hmm. starting to lay some language there i like that um and they started talking about free will and you know i, I love time shows or movies, shows, yeah. whatever, where it's just like, it just messes with your head a little bit because mm-hmm. anything can happen. So, you know, time is a circle, the whole thing, you know, the timeline, you could view any part of the timeline. It always happens. It always repeats. Yep. TVA doesn't because it just keeps going on. So they're kind of outside the timeline. They're viewing it. <clears throat> and then they talk about the TVA free will. Yep. So that kind of starts triggering just what you said before that about... You know, is Mobius going to do something weird? And then, you know, is that, well, here's a question. I'm going to jump out of this episode a little bit. Is Loki going to lead more into establishing things for like the Eternals and stuff that's coming up? Or is it basically going to skip over the Eternals and go into like what, like Doctor Strange 2? Yeah, I, I don't know where the Eternals fits into this. You know, is it that something happens and that's what awakens the Eternals or, or not awakens, but supposedly there's a plot line that they've had their memories wiped and something breaks them out of it. So maybe that's what this is. Something, you know, messing with the timeline wakes them out of it. Um, so I don't know how the Eternals fits into everything. I think this definitely is going to fit into Doctor Strange 2 and the, the multi, multiverse of madness. I mean, they're, they're clearly setting up having multiverses and things like that. So And the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah, the Spider-Man movie supposedly is going to have different variants of Spider-Man in it and stuff like that. So I think it's leaning into that, but I guess we'll have to see. Okay, before we get into like basically Alabama, the last <laughs> five minutes of the episode, were there any other points that you wanted to bring up in your notes? Um. Let me see. So 
I think that was, we kind of got so far that, that we haven't touched on. I guess the last thing that I might mention was there were some good uh, Easter eggs in some of the, the apocalypses that he, he was looking at specifically when he looked at Ragnarok and the str- destruction oh, right, of Asgard. Yes. Um, so one thing that, that, that was noted was in the, in the file, when they talked about the, uh, the refugees that did escape, they were li- uh, officially listed as the Revengers, which I know is was kind of what uh, Thor said that that he was calling them themselves and stuff like that. We're the Revengers, <laughs> and that's what they're officially listed as. Um, and then one thing we noted was that they have different classes for how le- how bad the apocalypses are. And Ragnarok was noted as a class seven uh, apocalypse. And now that we're getting into the next part, when they go to try to capture this this Loki variant and they, they find this location in Alabama there where they're able to cross check the Kablooey gum with an event. That one was noted as a class 10 apocalypse. So, you know, three classes worse. Than Not Ragnarok. as bad as Ragnarok, a giant demon blowing <laughs> yeah. it up with a giant sword uh, or whatever. He has. God of death, right. <laughs> Fighting each other. Our goddess of death. Um, okay. So Alabama shows up. Um, there's a couple things that kind of, you know, you say you have a lot of notes with this, so I'll let you kind of key into this a little bit. But here's a couple of things. We talked about this as we were watching it. Um, Loki doesn't seem like a greatest fighter as he was. Yeah. Like he was getting like thrown around. Obviously, the variant Loki, which obviously is now a woman that we saw at the very last minute, she has this like possession magic. Yeah, we could transfer her essence or somehow take over. Yeah. Uh, the Loki we know and love doesn't have that. He's mostly like illusions and stuff like that. Yep. So is this do is I'm gonna call our I'm gonna call him our Loki, right? Versus yeah. right? Let's call him our our Loki because that's that's why we love him, because we've we've known him forever. Mm-hmm. Um do you think he will be able to figure out how to do possession magic like that? I'm I'm calling it possession magic. I don't know if it has another yeah. name. Um I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, when we went, had that other scene where they went through the different Lokis, like some of them were huge and some, like, I think just each variant has different powers. So, okay. it, I mean, maybe he could learn it, but I, I think it's more just everybody. Each it's a simple explanation. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. That, that doesn't <laughs> hurt my brain as much. Then. <laughs> um, okay. So they're, they're kicking around each other. They have super strength. Um, makes sense if she's taking over each one of their bodies with their, her essence and they're yep. both kind of quote godly. Um, well, here's the question: If the, the timeline is sacred, what? How? How did this lady Loki become a deviant? Like, where would she have come from? Are we yeah. gonna find that out? I mean, I assume they'll explain that. You know, where was the Nexus event that had the branch, mm-hmm. and then they must have used, you know, one of the reset de- uh, devices to to clip that branch. But she must have escaped from it, similar to how our Loki, right? Like, he was in that branch. The TVA took him, and then they use the reset device to, to kind of clean up that branch, but he was still kind of outside the timeline. So I'm assuming it'll be something similar where she had a branch and then either went with the TVA or escaped them or something like that so that she wasn't impacted by the, the reset device. That's going to be an interesting t- story to tell. And we'll, we'll find that out. Yeah. Um, I assume we'll find out like how she in future episodes yeah, yeah. because Loki went after her, right? He yep. went through the same gate. So they're going to have probably a better discussion next episode. Like he's going to chase her down and say, wait, wait, what are you doing? Yeah. And where he was trying to recruit her to be uh, his uh, Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe there's some role swapping where he's going to pretend to be her lieutenant into then portray her, stab yeah. her in the back because he's only stabbed her, stabbed people in the back 50 times, <laughs> right? Um, but he, but here's the thing. So the final scene in the episode is she sets all these bombs up and they all trigger and go to different parts of time zones and create chaos right somehow she transported them to the sacred timeline whether that meant because i know with the one agent that she had captured when they find her she said she gave up the location of the timekeepers so i don't know if this means that she transported them right to where the timekeepers were or where they're holding the sacred timeline whatever it was but somehow they went and are creating all sorts of branches all at once so we need to go we, we kind of pause it at the end of the show and I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to be able to tell us exactly what all these dates were, but on the timekeeper device, it shows like all the different points of time. Mm-hmm. These things are going to, and it's like New York and China and Finland and specific years and dates and times. I'm sure you guys could go out there and find out what each one of those are, or at least guess of what, yeah. what each one of those places are. So search YouTube for the smarter people are doing all the uh, the grunt work and find out those answers. And Phil, if you find one that does it well, I'm sure yes, you'll absolutely it out for yeah, everybody. Yeah, we'll look, we'll look but um, that being said, the whole thing I don't really get is if she really wanted to do all these bombs, why did she just like wait for everybody to show up and then blow them up? Is it that was the time she always was going to do that and it was just got interrupted? Or does she have to do them all at, I guess she has to do them all at once. So she speaks yeah, chaos. She definitely, yeah. Right? She definitely had to, you know, this was part of her plan to capture all of these as, and I guess just, you know, to make it dramatic in the show at the time for her to set it off happened to be, or maybe when she realized they were close to getting her, she was like, all right, I got enough. I got to do it now um, before it's too late to set all this off. So, so I don't. I don't think she did it to catch. You know, to to get them in the explosion. I think it was just this was the time she had to do it. Okay, fair enough, and that that's fine. That's as good as explanation as anything. So, where do we see? We're gonna we're gonna start. We're close out the show now. Is what are we gonna see for the next episode? So, the, she created twenty variants, whatever. Assuming a bomb going off at any point in the sacred timeline is gonna create a nexus event. I guess that's just the thing, right? Right. Um, is she? She's just basically going to create all these things. And there's probably going to be red lines somewhere, right? They're gonna, we're probably going to see them try to put out some fires. They're going to get some of them, and there's going to be maybe one, maybe four timelines that get past the red line, right? Yeah. We were going to see what happens once that line hits past the red line, correct? Right? Yeah. We're, we've we've been leading it. It's just a matter of how many. I think so. Yeah. So does the show then turn into trying to repair the timeline slash get Lady Loki and then kind of fix everything? Or is it just going to be like craziness where things just get out of hand and the show ends at the end of the run with like establishing new characters, establishing the background origin story of the next Doctor Strange movie, and it just kind of it, it's being it's left unresolved but maybe just like the tva gets abolished type of thing yeah. and that's the resolution of the show like oh my god and there here's and it's a start of the next big problem maybe i think so it were either just the new situation for the mcu right there is no longer one sacred timeline there's however many and they're able to coexist or not coexist or interfere with each other but that's sort of the new reality 
which allows us to bring in any kind of superhero we want with different actors. Exactly. And not paying him as much. (laughs) God bless Disney. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Every single week we're going to be doing Loki. Um, Maybe the new Pixar movie this weekend. I don't know. Maybe we'll review it the weekend after. Um, Or at least maybe we'll do a review on our weekly weekly show. show. Yeah, I think. Um, That being said... Uh, catch us this week with the new DBC Expedition. A little tease for our weekly show this week. New DBC Expedition on Project Gemini, all relating to Epcot. So Google that. You can find out a little bit about it. We're going to put our own little spin on it, do a little bit of research and talk to you about it. And then uh, that being said, have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next week with Episode 3 of Loki. Take care, everyone.